Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Well, thank you, Marie, and thank you, everybody, for joining us on today's podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us. And, uh, you know, I think that today we are looking at all things technical for NASCAR engine regulations. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But I bring this up because, uh, folks, if you haven't listened to the message yet, you're not going to get this joke. But then the second thing is, you know, Rick, I mean, uh, this... You opened it up with this this uh, this illustration, and I had to actually look up what a what was it called? A restrictor plate. A restrictor plate, and it's a very small thing. It's like fifty-seven by sixty-fourth inch metal plate, and it's designed to decrease the power of those engines by three hundred horsepower. So, why did you bring this up, Ricky Bobby Hale? Well, thank you, Sean Bob Lee. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a great illustration of what happens in in the spiritual world in our lives. We we tend to have these I would call them spiritual restrictor plates, hmm. and we impose them on God, and it, it comes out like, uh, well, God can't use me because of my past failures. Yeah. Well, see, that's putting a restrictor plate on what God can and cannot do. Or we say, well, God can't use me because I'm not talented. I don't have gifts and skills like some people. Or, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a, a deep education. Or I don't know the Bible as well as some people. So how could God ever use somebody like me? This whole, this whole campaign on daring faith is trying to help people, all of us, break through some of those barriers. Hmm. And the the one this week, of course, is stretching your imagination. Yeah. Because God, he, he wants to stretch our faith and stretch our imagination to dream big. But Sean, if we put restrictor plates on God, then we will never break through with a daring faith. That's amazing. You know, when I, I think about those engines, I think, are they like six-cylinder engines or not? These eight, Cylinder um, behemoth. Sure. You need to go back and listen to the sermon. <laughs> After my illustration, I gave a disclaimer. I said I've I have now told you more than I know about a NASCAR restrictor plate. <laughs> okay, okay. I, but three hundred horsepower. That is. Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot of horsepower. Yeah, but but you have to realize that these cars, even with a restrictor plate, they can still hit two hundred miles an hour. Yeah. On the straightaway. Yeah. I did read this that the, the they started doing this because of the high-speed crashes that, that were happening. Uh, you know, Rick, this makes me think about, in, in terms of imagination, I, I, I think that we take the, the subject of imagination for granted because I think that, that, I wonder if it actually makes us distinctly human to imagine something that we have never seen before. Um, imagine, I mean, imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine if somebody had never thought, I wonder what it's like to go up to the moon. I wonder what it's like to go past the horizon, and uh, and but we're talking about something that's like that, but it's different, right? Yeah, I would encourage people listening to the podcast just look around wherever you are. Maybe you're in your car listening to this. Maybe you're on your treadmill. Uh, maybe you're sitting having a cup of coffee. Just look around. Everything that you are looking at right now was at one point 
someone's imagination. Right. The, Sean just took a drink of coffee out of, his, out of his coffee cup. Sean, somebody imagined years ago, you know what? We could take this cup and put a handle on it and it wouldn't burn my fingers because every time I hold this cup, it burns my fingers. You know what? I can imagine a cup with a handle on it. Every invention, Sean, every invention, and every invention, just look around, everything in my office right now That's right. was at one point in someone's imagination. I have two beautiful paintings uh, hanging on my walls by a, a dear, dear friend, uh, Bill Greenhall, passed away many years ago. Wonderful, wonderful artist in, in this whole area. Yeah. And these paintings grew out of his imagination. Amazing. Amazing. Just to, to be able to think. I, again, I, I think about, um, is, there, is there a sense of faith in that? I mean, I don't know if I'm stretching too far. No, no, not at all. And that's, seriously, that's why this week three of the campaign is called, doesn't, it's not called stretching your faith, though that's a part of it. Technically, it's stretching your imagination. Hmm. It's start thinking like God. Yeah, You know, even all of creation was at one point pre-creation. It was in the imagination of God to create a universe. And and we were in the imagination of God, Sean, that he imagined, you know, what would it be like to create these things called human beings? Hmm. It all grows out of the imagination of God. So if we are going to be like God, imitate God, we must stretch our imagination. So I suppose that the memory verse for this week um, lends towards that. I love this scripture verse. Uh, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Yeah, and I, that's the uh, New Living Translation, and, and they nailed it. I'm so glad they used the word imagine. Hmm. No mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Notice it. You know, we very often we'll read that and we immediately think, oh, he's talking about heaven. The word heaven is not mentioned there. You know, God, of course, he has prepared a place for us, we learn in John 14, heaven. But no place does it limit what God has imagined for us to heaven. I believe God has imagined great things for us on earth. Mm. But if we put restrictor plates on God and say, well... God can't do it now. Yeah, sure, someday in the sweet by and by, I'll get my slice of heaven in the sky. <laughs> we, we, again, we limit God to say, yeah, I know you have heaven prepared, but I'm just going to try to make it through earth. Yeah. You know, yeah. just I'm going to squeeze through. And no, no, God said, listen, I've got great things. I have a purpose for you on planet earth. Wow, wow. So Rick... What is the indication that we've got a, if you want to call it a restrictor plate, on our faith? Yeah, I would say several things, Sean. Number one, if you are controlled by fear, if every uh, time God puts something on your heart and you just kind of sense, God wants me to reach out to this person, or God wants me to share my faith with this person, or invite them to church, but if fear comes over you and says, oh, but I don't want to offend them, or what if they reject me? See, the minute you start being controlled by fear, or another example, past failures, or the opinion of other people. Mm. Well, you know, 
God, I feel like God wants me to do this, but what would other people think? Mm. So the minute you're controlled, not by your faith in God, but by fear or past failures or opinions of others, to me, that's a sign of a restrictor plate. Wow, wow. So um, imagining is kind of like forecasting, because the moment you started talking about that, we, you were, we were imagining narratives that didn't exist. Um, we, they only, we only thought in our mind, or at least I can think of all the times when I, I did not make ch- certain choices, um, or I unfortunately did make certain choices because of what I imagined a better future or a worse future to be. Yeah, it's just amazing, Sean. I wonder how many great opportunities oh, we miss in life because we a- allowed fear or failure or worrying about what other people would think. Mm. We, we allow those to control us and to restrict us. And you think of a stricter play, it, you, it throttles you back. Yeah. Well, God doesn't want you to throttle back uh, when it comes to trusting Him. He wants yeah. us to be all in and just start imagining, you know, God has great things prepared for me. I need to stretch my imagination so I can begin to not just imagine those things, but put them into practice. Right. So this week was a study on Jesus' dialogue, I mean, if you want to call it that, with with John the baptizer. Can you give us a quick background to who John was and how we got to the setting of this dialogue? Yeah, when you you get to Matthew chapter 11, it's kind of a, a dark moment in the history of John the Baptist. I mean, what a great man. Uh, baptized Jesus. He was the forerunner. He prepared the way. Uh, he was there when the at the baptism when uh, the voice from heaven spoke and the the Spirit of God descended on Jesus. So he had witnessed incredible affirmation of who Jesus is. But when right. you get to chapter eleven, John the Baptist is in prison because he publicly rebuked Herod Antipas for his adulterous relationship and mm-hmm. marriage. And he, so he throws John into prison. Well, while John is in prison, he starts to have doubts about Jesus. Mm. And it's hard for us to imagine because we put John on a pedestal. Yeah. In fact, when you read the rest of Matthew 11, we didn't have time in the sermon, Jesus puts John right back on that pedestal and just brags on John and said, man, there's never been a, a, a person born in mm-hmm. history, as great as John the Baptist. So Jesus never lost his admiration and respect for John the Baptist. But when he's locked up in prison, he starts to have doubts. And he sends his disciples with a question for Jesus. He can't get out of prison. So he has to send a messenger. And he said, I want you to go to Jesus and ask him this question. Jesus, are you the one or should we look for someone else? Mm. And when he says, are you the one, we really need to capitalize the O and one. Uh-huh. Are you the Messiah? Are yeah. you the one that we are waiting for, the long-awaited Messianic King? Or, you know, John is saying, did I, did I miss something? Hmm. Are, you, are you not the one? And, and that's the background. Wow, wow. So... You know, Jesus doesn't even so much as help post bail. I mean, because there was no such thing at the time. But, but instead, he, he reminded John of the scriptures from Isaiah, key messianic scriptures. 
Why is informing our imagination with God's Word so important? Well, it is because when, when the truth of God's Word penetrates a person with doubt, it's like, like plowing through our, our faulty emotions mm. and our faulty feelings with the truth. So you, it's just, I just imagine a, a plow cutting through the soil and then what Jesus does then is, and it's very, very important, he answers John's emotional question with facts. Hmm. He doesn't, you know, make fun of John. He doesn't ridicule John. He doesn't say, hey, come on, John, you should know better. No, he simply says, okay, you're having doubts. Here are the facts. So he tells the messengers, go back to John, and you, you tell John, what you hear, but also what you see. Hmm. You know, the, you see, the, and, he, and he gives a list of miracles, which are a fulfillment of the Isaiah prophecies. Wow. Rick, if you don't mind <clears throat> getting a little personal, would, would you share a time when God spoke to you through, through his past word in Scripture to speak to your present or future? Well, yeah, I can, I can remember very, very distinctly uh, 24 years ago when... Grace Community Church was not around. And, you know, I had left another church. It was not a comfortable uh, experience. Uh, there was a lot of pain involved, a lot of hurt feelings, not just on my part, but but other people who decided to leave that church and to plant Grace. Yeah, And so here I was. I didn't know what I was going to do. And stay here. People wanted me to plant a church in in. Roswell, or I, I put my resume out. I was looking at other churches and and really struggling. How do I react? How do I respond? And Sean, two scriptures. Uh, I, I'm telling you, God just lifted the words off the page hmm. and just wrote them on my heart. And the the first one was First Peter two twenty three, because you know I, I'd been hurt. Um, um, it was not a comfortable situation with some people. There were rumors being spread about me that were not true at all. Wow. So I had to decide, how am I going to react? So I said, okay, you know the old thing, WWJD. You know, what, what would Jesus do? <laughs> and so this passage in 1 Peter 2.23, when they hurled their insults at him, and that is at Jesus, yeah. he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threat, threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Mm. God spoke to me and basically said, okay, Rick, don't defend yourself. Just, just entrust yourself to God and he'll take care of everything. And so I learned to, to quit trying to defend myself. Wow. And... That, you wanted to, I bet. Oh my gosh, did I ever. I wanted to right all the wrongs and I wanted to straighten people out and you know, I wanted to go on the radio and tell people, well, here's <laughs> here's what really happened and let me tell you about these jerks and uh, boy, that really slowed me. Wow. Now the amazing. other the other passages, I people wanted me to start a new church and many of the people were they were angry, they were hurt. They were bitter. They had hurt feelings. And so here we had our very first meeting, 90 people crammed into a home to start talking about planting a new church. So I had to give the first sermon. 
Well, I thought of all kinds of vengeance sermons, you I know? Bet. Yeah. Well, God spoke to me and said, no, no, here's, here's the first sermon. And it's from Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if anyone is a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That was the first sermon uh, for Grace Community Church. And it was, wow. okay, if we... If we're going to start a new church, we cannot build it on bitterness, on anger. We have to build it on forgiveness and love. Sean, that day, I'll never forget because people still, 24 years later, will remind me of this. I told the story, a great story of D.L. Moody, the great evangelist. At one point in his career, he was severely criticized mm. and rumors were spread about him, vicious rumors that were not true. Yeah. And he was interviewed one time, and the interviewer said, Dr. Moody, people are saying all these things about you. What, what are you going to do about it? And he said, I have decided to stay sweet. <laughs> well, I told that story on yeah. our very first day, and I said, folks, here's what I have decided. I'm going to stay sweet. How about you? Oh. And people will still to this day come up and they'll say, hey, Rick, I, I'm still staying sweet. Wow. Isn't that amazing how, I love that. how a story is? So to answer your question, yeah, the Word of God really can speak to people, spoke to me, and, and really at a fork in the road, had I gone the other direction, I think I would have been a very angry, bitter, vengeful person. Wow. But God directed me in, in another way, and I'm so grateful that He did. Well, so am I, since, <laughs> I, since I, I'm one of your, one of your employees. <laughs> so, you know, Rick, it, it also makes me think about that, um, you you trim the sails really for the next twenty years uh, for that reason, didn't you? I Absolutely, mean, yeah. but because I knew in my heart you cannot build a church on bitterness. Right. If you do, it'll be first church of the bitter. Right. Which is difficult because if you, especially if you're gathering other people, yeah. if they're leaving a church, they're, that means that they're leaving for a reason. <laughs> Usually, they're angry. Yeah. Uh, and so. I think that's wonderful that you set that tone uh, from the get-go. Um, you know, uh, we need hope, don't we? I mean, I mean, that's the reason why we we keep trying to move forward. And you made mes- mention of this this message that here John was. He was in prison, and uh, all he saw was the inside of the jail walls and no information. He was cut off from information. You know, we can have our own emotional prisons too, can't we? I mean, we we can let our present circumstances restrict our imaginations of what God intends to do. Isn't that right? That's exactly what happened to John. He's locked up in prison. And I mentioned in the sermon two things, a difficult person, Herod, Herod, difficult, difficult person, and depressing circumstances. He's unjustly locked up in prison. So, you you know, you think about it, Sean, all of us, I mean, podcast listeners, what really restricts your daring faith in God. It's when a difficult person comes along. Yeah. It's when a depressing circumstance comes along and you can't get free of it. And what happens is these cloud our perspective. We've talked about that word perspective on the podcast before. 
The word perspective means the ability to see through. Perspective comes from the compound word to see through. Our problem is when we have a difficult person, depressing circumstances, we don't see through, we see at. We look at the circumstance. We look at the person. What we have to learn to do is say, okay, they're there. I'm not going to deny those. I'm not going to bury my head in the sand, but I'm going to see through that difficult person. I'm going to see through that difficult circumstance and depressing circumstance and just kind of let the, the truth, you know, God is still in control. He has gotten me through these before. He will get me through these again. And then that just, again, lets truth cut through the clouds that sometimes cloud our vision. Yeah. I, I wonder if, uh, and, and maybe you need to speak to this. I'm just thinking about a friend who's having a difficult time at work right now. He does not like his boss. I don't think his boss likes him. And they're kind of stuck. And I know he, he feels uh, um, angry. I know that he feels um, uh, like he's trapped, um, that the other person's the enemy. It, it, it really is hard, isn't it, for us to try to think, what would this, if I were this person, how could I, I'm trying to imagine a better place. I'm trying to imagine a better, a better outcome out of this. Instead of just hunkering down and, and laying siege. Yeah. You know, a friend of mine has this expression, he's always something, never nothing. Hmm. Always something, never nothing. Now think about that. Every day, you know, you come to work, you think, oh, wow, I don't have anything difficult on my calendar day. Well, get ready, watch <laughs> out, because there's always something showing, yeah. and never nothing. You know what you call that? Perspective. Right. Perspective. And so if you go through life, kind of lowering your expectations of life and raising your expectations of God, that gives you a whole new perspective. Well, so that true. now when something hits you, like Sean, I mean, great example here. We were talking before the podcast two, two weeks ago. You had good news and bad news. <laughs> good news, you're cancer-free. Bad news is, Dad, but you got COVID. Yay! <laughs> and I would say to you, Sean, here's what I would say to you to give you perspective. It's always something and never nothing. <laughs> Always something. There's always something. And you're going to get over COVID. You're That's already, right. You're already breaking through, yes. feeling a bit better. I have good news and bad news for you, Sean. Yeah. You're going to get over COVID, but there's always there's something. Something else down the line. Yeah. And, there, and there's never nothing. <laughs> think about it. In your life right now, I promise you can think of, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Yeah. There's something good happening. And there's something bad happening. Once you get that perspective, that's what John needed in prison. Yeah. He, you know, bad things are happening. Yeah. Or do you th- is anything good happening? Hey, God's still on the throne. Yeah. And Jesus is out there doing his ministry. And Jesus just helps John get that perspective. You know, I, I appreciate the way that, that, that actually you presented Jesus' response to that because uh, Jesus could, I mean, the way that he said it, for us in the in the 21st century, we could think, well, that felt kind of curt or rude um, um, because he was just so quick to, to say the scriptures or to say, tell him this, tell him this. Um, but Jesus could have said other things like, hey, you know, aren't you the one that baptized me? Didn't didn't you say that you weren't worthy to untie my sandals? You know, what what happened to that guy? But Jesus didn't say that, and and that was an important response, wasn't it? Absolutely. He did not castigate and embarrass John. He could have, but he just, 
He just speaks the truth. Sean, that's, there's something about just the simple truth that can give us perspective. And it was, go back and tell John what you see in here, that miracles are happening, that the, right. all the signs prophesied about the coming Messiah are, are happening. And just go back and tell John. What Jesus is doing is helping John refocus and regain his perspective. Yeah. We can depend on the Lord to give us that same response. Yeah. Right? And, and I love it too, Sean. Think about it. On the other hand, Jesus doesn't join in and encourage a pity party. He doesn't say, oh, John, I'm so sorry. Please don't feel that way. No, he doesn't do that at all. Yeah. He just says, John, here's the truth. Yeah. And, you know, the old expression is true. The truth will set you free. Yeah. Not from prison, but from a limited, restricted perspective. You know, I, I, of course, we had no idea what his personality was like, but I'm thinking a guy who's living out in the desert, I mean, his snacks are locust dips and honey. Uh, I'm thinking that's a hard guy, you know. Oh. You don't have to beat around the bush. You can just get straight to the to the chase with him. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. also, you know, I mean, he's an outdoor kind of guy, <laughs> you know, locked up in prison. No wonder. Yeah. I mean, you talk about cabin fever. Can oh, you imagine man. what he was experiencing? Yeah. yeah, amazing. Rick, you said we cannot let present doubts rob us of what God has planned for us in the future. You know, Rick, that's fine if all your questions get answered, you, you your marriage gets saved, the prodigal comes home, but we know that sometimes the 30-minute sitcom resolve doesn't happen. In fact, John never got out of prison. They literally beheaded him. Can you walk us through what this means for us? Here's where we need the ultimate perspective, Sean, that when, when our God-given purpose on earth is completed, we die and go to heaven. Yeah. That's perspective. Now, most of us, we have such a restricted, limited perspective, and, you know, the, the our memory verse, we, we've got to imagine not only that God has a grand purpose for us on life, but when that purpose is completed, God said, okay, you're done. Let's go. And he, and he takes us to heaven. Our problem, Sean, we forget earth is not home. Yeah. We just forget. We, we have to remember what the Bible says, that we are aliens and strangers on <laughs> earth. And God has prepared a better place for us, and that's home. I'll never forget a true story I heard about, and I can't remember the guy's name. He ended up becoming a rather famous writer, but early in his life, he was in prison. For He got caught doing something illegal, and he was in prison. Someone asked him years later when he was doing really well as a, as a writer, they said, how, how did you go through that horribly embarrassing, humiliating experience of being in prison for a number of years and to come out and be successful. And he, he answered it this way. He said, I never decorated my prison cell. Ooh. And what he was saying is, huh. I did not want, I did not want to pretend like prison was my home. Uh-huh. It was not my home. And so I never decorated my cell and it reminded me this is not home. Outside, that's where I will make home. Wow, that's amazing. Fantastic series. You know, I want to go on and talk about the next week's message, but, you know, Rick, can you uh, hear the music? Because I think it's time for Rick's Quote of the Week. 
All right, what do you got for us today? Well, today, uh, some of you are old enough to remember the actress Lauren Bacall. Oh, yes. Well, Lauren Bacall had a great line. We're talking about, you know, restrictor plates and letting things hold us back for being all God called us to be. Here's her quote. I am not a has-been. I am a will-be. Ooh. I'm not a has-been. I'm a will-be. Oh, wow. That's daring faith. That's moving forward, not letting your past hold you back. No wonder, no wonder Humphrey Bogart was so enthralled. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, what else is happening here at Grace? Hey, let me mention a couple of things. Daring Faith continues this week. Pastor Kevin Price will be giving the message. And I've read it. I know where he's going with it. It's called Take the Initiative. And what does it mean to take the initiative? We're going to look at Peter walking on the water. And how, oh. how Peter took the initiative and talk about daring faith. Um, I've never stepped out into water that deep before planning on walking. Yeah. And it's just a great message. So I would invite people to join us here Sunday morning for Daring Faith. And then also uh, October 31st, we have our annual Blocktoberfest. We're Woo-hoo! expecting over 2,000 people on our campus. We'll be handing out candy in a very safe, a fun environment. So we want to invite, come on out people, bring your kids. We'll have a great time. Fantastic. Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback. So send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.